All right, and we're live. So welcome to this edition of the Savage Bloggers Network Hanging On Air. I'm Christian Serrano. And I'm Ron Blessing. Joining us for this Hangout is my friend Charles White of Fabled Environments, publishers of the Modern Floor Plans and uh, Adventures for Savage Worlds. Um, Charles, thank you. Uh, I can't believe we're talking again after all this time. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while, and uh, you're meeting Christian for the first time. Absolutely. I've heard the voice about a million times, but it's nice <laughs> to see a face. Yeah, and, and Charles, we, I know we've corresponded via email, and uh, so this is this is really exciting because I've always thought you were a great guy. I imagined you being a great guy, and so far the chat that we've had you know, before recording and going live, uh, you are a great guy. So really Thanks. happy to have you here, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Sure thing. So, uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about what uh, Fable Environments is. I know historically, you've all done uh, um, the modern floor plan, uh, and if, if I recall correctly, that's that's your wife Krista who does the actual uh, designs and the layouts on those floor plans. Correct? Yeah, she's um, an act. It's, it's the funniest thing is that she's not even a gamer. So, she's a uh, trained as a uh, interior designer and architectural drafter. So she went through design school. And we looked at this about 10 years ago, and I did a lot of modern type of gaming. So uh, I wanted some floor plans. There really wasn't anything out there that I could drop on a table. And so we got this crazy idea to do something with this. Um, had some trouble kind of translating it and actually started with 12 to Midnight. Uh, they're the ones that gave us our first shot as licensees and helped us kind of figure out what was the best way to market the product. And that's where we came in with the full 24 by 36, 36 by 48 sheet sizes and so the rest has been history we've got about uh, about 25 plans now um, or more and uh, three very large plans that we've done through Kickstarter so that's been really been a lot of fun that's right I, I still have some of the early some of the early maps that have the uh, the both logos the fabled environments and uh, um, uh, uh, oh, uh, 12 to midnight logos yeah yeah awesome so um, so we're, you know, obviously the reason why we're doing this is because we're we're here to talk about the uh, the Kickstarter that you're starting tomorrow for yes. uh, Olympus Inc. and uh, and we're, we'll we'll spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, this is the first setting that is produced and published by uh, Fabled Environments, correct? Exactly. We've done some adventures and things like that, but we've never and I've wanted to, but we've never um, taken the leap into doing a setting book. So I'm really excited that we're moving from just the specialization into full publishing. So yeah, can we talk about that a little bit? Like you know, starting sure. off with modern floor plans and then going into published adventures, a lot of Savage Worlds adventures in particular. Uh, really cool that they're tied to the floor plans that you designed as well. Um, so what? At what point did you decide to transition um, beyond maps and go into adventures, and then of course into settings as well? Well, we'd always talked about wanting to have something somebody could just use to use with the maps. Really, the adventures started out more as, as idea seeds. I mean, I know they're full adventures, but really, this is what you can do with it. And um, that's where the adventures came from. Uh, then we had some folks write some adventures. We tied those back into um, Kickstarters, things like that. So from there, I always thought moving beyond adventures to full setting would be be awesome. Um, there was actually, it was kind of funny, um, Cakewalk was an adventure that we released. Jordan Peacock did all the art on it, and um, it, it, and looking at how we did it, it kind of light bulb went, went off in my head about doing a full setting book. So that's kind of where the root of this idea came from, because the way he wrote that easily could, it could slip into a setting book. Um, and wanted to do something, wanted to do something, and Olympus Inc. kind of just fell into place, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, it was very interesting because I'd done some writing. Uh, we, I released um, Ultimate Knights Templar, um, which I don't know if you guys have, have seen, but um, that was through uh, Mythic, uh, Mystic Throne Entertainment. Right. And so Aaron had was running, I think it was Savage Insider that he was running for a while um, before Vicky took it over. Um, and I'd, done, I'd owned the uh, religion and gaming column. Well, Gilbert was also writing some of that as well, and Gilbert's the co-author on this one. So it was funny when Mythos came out, which is very much the whole grounded in the... In, um, the Greek... In, uh, the yeah, Greek, the, the, yeah, the Greek, the ancient Greek. Yeah. Um, I made the mistake, or the good thing, I don't know, of, of saying, what happens if we do this modern? What's it look like? Um, and that has been a blast. I mean, the writing has been fun. 
but I've always been a guy that's like the, the kind of working through the issues and the problems and thinking about things and conceptualization, and we did a ton of that. And wow. Gilbert's very much the same way because we both approach this as, as GMs and mm -hmm. as gamers for years, and we said, if I run this game, I'm going to ask this question. Right. Uh, Right. And actually over-engineer. Will I ask this question? I don't know. Let's let's tackle it anyways. You may never see it in the book, but it'll be in the background, and maybe you'll get the feel of it, and maybe somebody will. Right, um, right. So it was really kind of rationalizing moving through it, but that's kind of how it fell into my lap. Um, and then um, uh, we were able to to take that. I know it was kind of an extension of Mythos, but Aaron was happy enough to, to let us publish this as our first, um, our first adventure, our first uh, setting book, I should say. So. Well, some sometimes you know you want to write a setting, not so much to answer specific questions, but to kind of leave it open for those questions to be answered, if that makes sense. Um, and this is right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I I love yeah. you know modern, uh, modern urban fantasy. Um, the the probably. I don't know. Probably seventy-five percent of the stuff I run ends up being modern fantasy. So it's fun having the floor plans, and it's so funny because they're just days. You know, it's like I guess it's got to be the same living with a chef. Is there's just days you want cereal. I mean, you know, right. yeah. there's days I don't want to run modern anymore. But I mean, I, I love it. But I mean, I'm right there with you, Ron. That uh, you know, two of my favorite book series is Percy Jackson and Dresden. Yeah. So and we Both did excellent. one. Yeah, we didn't we didn't want a Percy Jackson copy, because I actually I looked around and I was looking at some of the other settings, thinking I wanted to run a Percy Jackson kind of uh, setting, and and there it wasn't there, but that's okay. And then when we thought about this, the first thing we said is, but I don't want a copy. Right. Well, when I it, when I first actually heard the concept of Olympus Inc., I started thinking about all the stuff going dress and file. Spoiler alert. Um, involving uh, Odin and all that stuff, uh -huh. right? And obviously different pantheon. Oh, but sure. That's that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, wow, it'd be kind of cool to flesh out that side of the Dresden verse, but you know, in a, in a slightly different way. But that that whole feel. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I mean, it, like I said, it's just been fun to think about it from that perspective of moving it forward and. Right. And going beyond just moving it forward, I mean, if we just moved it forward, that would be really – really, it wouldn't be a very long book, but um, <laughs> doing more with it. What, what do we want to do to make it our own and put our signature on it? And I think that was really what took us the longest to get to where we needed to be. So let's go ahead and talk about Olympus Inc. And, and uh, not just so much from the perspective of how, how you came up with the idea, but what what is it that as players or GMs we should be – uh, aware of with respect to the setting and what it's about and what it's going to entail. Well, the great thing is it's very approachable because, I mean, the basis of it, and let me approach it from two, two different angles here, but the basis of it is it's our world today, I mean, okay. basically. Um, the, the, the world that Olympus Inc. lives in is very similar. The difference is, is that the names have changed, if you will. So um, all the Olympian gods uh, established corporations, and I'll give you some understanding as to why that happened. But um, and they're actually larger than the largest corporations we have now because there's so many tendrils in it. So it's think of like um, you know like Nestle or, or one of those big companies, uh, Unilever, and just put it on steroids. Um, and all the companies, uh, the tendrils reflect the um, focus of the gods in some way, form, or another, because they did have varying focuses. And especially in our society today, there's more specialization. So there's that. Um, where you're going to see the big difference from the modern, if you will, is in the, the use of the, god, the gods and demigods. So um, you, you've got that side where you've got what we call sleepers. Um, in this world, nobody knows that the Olympians exist. Nobody knows that the Titans exist. No one knows that demigods or intelligent monsters exist. Um, their memories have been wiped clean. And what has happened is the Olympians were kicked out of Olympus because they became so incredibly arrogant that Gaia just had enough, and so she kicked them out. Well, she knew that if she put the Titans back in place, which she did, the Titans would immediately wipe them out. So there were some laws put in place. Um, one law says that they can't fight openly. The other law, which comes in and affects players really kind of neatly, is called the Nemesis Effect. Because none of the people on Earth know that, they, that these uh, gods exist, 
if a demigod or intelligent monster or somebody uses their powers or manifests themselves in front of these people that aren't in the know, if you will, the sleepers, they can something bad happens to them. It could be anything from being shaken to if you do it in front of enough people, it can kill you. Um, but the, the punishment can be harsh, but it's designed that way. So what happens with this setting is you get more of a cyberpunk feel. Um, you get more of a um, uh, an espionage feel um, because you get the corporate espionage, you get all of that going along. But the overarching theme in this whole set setting is is the Olympians want to get back to um, back to Olympus, and they're trying to find ways to do that. They're also trying to oppose the Titans and their followers on Earth. Um, so we've got a lot of neat ways to do that. One of them, just very quickly is one of the companies is called the Delphi Corporation. And um, the Oracle of Delphi is actually a supercomputer. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so they, it's manifested itself. They couldn't find the Oracle when they died, and all of a sudden this computer was doing strange, crazy stuff. Well, what the, um, the Delphi Corporation resembles very closely is probably the CIA in the 60s and 70s, uh, CIA, NSA. They're there as a cutout. Um, they're the ones that really work with what we call freelance teams. So think of your Shadowrun teams. These exactly what these guys are. They're your demigods um, that have been put on these teams. And they're pretty much out of the know of what's going on. They're just freelancers. They know something's going on, but they don't know a whole lot. But um, the Delphi actually um, puts out the missions, sell the missions, things like that. And there's a huge amount of uh, work that they do behind the scenes to protect the corporations. The only problem is, is that just like in the ancient world, uh, the gods can't keep their nose out of each other's business. Of course. Right. Well, take it and put that into a corporate setting, and you've got all this other stuff going on. So you've got all this cross-corporation. You've got um, the the pantheon fighting against the titans. And the way the titans fight is they fight pretty dirty. They use intelligent uh, mythical monsters like sirens. They use um, arith. Uh, uh, basically the vampires. I can never remember their names. Um, for the Greek gods and, and a variety of folks like that that actually are intelligent. Intelligent monsters as well as people like satyrs and uh, what we call min uh, uh, minispawn which are basically small minotaurs or normal sized minotaurs I should say, humans. Um, they all have a human form and a divine form. The divine form is their true form. Um, but um, what uh, the, titan, the titans do is they basically use their small corporations and they don't have a lot of them to basically try and discredit the Olympians, lower their power base, and things like that. So you mentioned earlier that the Titans are now sitting in Olympus, essentially, right? They're they're the ones that are sort of reigning over heaven and earth, or, or, or yeah, I guess the heavens. Uh, how do they how are they interacting with these sort of smaller corporations, and of course fighting against the Olympians? Well, they pretty much hate the Earth, so they they deign to work with them. It's more overarching. They give them a goal and say go forward because right. they hate um, the earth. They hate human beings. They hate demigods. They just they it, it's almost like it's beneath them, literally and figuratively. Um, so there's more of a, a mission focus that's been put forward. Um, you won't see you know one of the big titans come down and start wreaking havoc. Primarily because of the laws that have been put in place, and that's the other reason why there's not as much interaction is because of Gaia and Nemesis. They they keep a very tight rein on that, um, so it really is their followers doing a lot of their work for them. Okay, and oh, that's, that's where the nice. conflict comes in. Right, right. So, uh, oh, Ron, did you have a question? Or so yeah, I was I was going to ask: Is this going to be like a plot point campaign, or is this an open setting? What's the what's the plan there? We're going to have a plot point put in there, just a uh, just a, a campaign setting, just that somebody can use. But this is really very open-ended, um, so it's going to have the setting aspect of it, and then something that somebody can use, a, a campaign, if you will, attached to this as well. Um, the this setting book is only going to release six gods at this point, which trust me is plenty. Um, and then we'll through further supplements. What we want to do is uh, offer uh, um, more gods, but also beef up the powers and things like that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's easy if you want to just take the take the book and use it and kind of make it your own. That's perfect. If you want to take the book and have something to use at the table, uh, um, especially to give you ideas, it's going to be there too. Cool. So so as a GM, you know, I, I see all these pieces that I can use to to create a world and to create a game. 
as a player, when I sit down with this book and I sit down with my character sheet, what am I making? Well, you're going to make one of three things. Um, there are three different races, if you will. One is a, um, a paragon, which you are, you're, you're of the bloodline of one of the six gods that are presented. And we do things a little differently. Um, when the gods are kicked out, they lost a lot of their power, and they also lost the ability to sire children. So you're not the child of. You basically have a divine spark, and you awaken. Um, and I, it, some, usually through some traumatic event, something will happen and you'll awaken. Usually it's in your teenage years, but it can happen even further along. So when you're making characters, that's part of the backstory is how. Um, but a paragon is going to be very reflective. Um, some of your hindrances will be reflective of that god as well as the powers. Um, then you've got what's known as a protean. Proteans are kind of the, the mixed bag, if you will. They've got multiple kind of lines running through their blood. And so they can pull really from any uh, god's power. Nice. And the, the trade-off is, is that they can do more, but they have less power. So they can do more, but they don't have as many powers, if you will. Um, and then the final one is going to be the demi-humans. And the two that we presented in this book are going to be satyrs and what we call minnowspawn. And like I said, minnowspawn are basically six-foot minotaurs with all the same type of attitude. Nice. Um, and Very then hopefully cool. we'll add things like uh, centaurs and nymphs, and we've got a lot of other things on the list that we want to put in there too. Um, so, and, and we may even take some of the intelligent monsters like sirens who actually don't have to be bad because um, they really weren't, weren't bad, depending on how you read the myths, um, and we may make those playable as well. But generally we're going to stick to the ones you would normally think of when you think of as demi-human. And so when you mentioned demi-humans earlier, you mentioned that they have two forms. There's their human form and then their you know, normal demi-human form. That that artwork that you had, uh, the preview with the um, oh, I forgot what the what the creature was. Sphinx. The Sphinx. She, she's changing shape. Is that an yep. example? Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. And they're gonna have some um, facial. Like if you notice in her facial features, they're vaguely lion-esque. Um, that's exactly what you'd have. Like, for example, the Minnowspawn are big, hulking guys. Um, they are very, I don't want to say brutish, but they're just big guys. Yeah. Um, very muscular and buff. And so seeing them transform, it's kind of like that aha moment. But it's not so blatant that you that somebody could walk down the street and say, oh, yeah, you know, I know what he is. Well, Same yeah, we, we've seen people like that all our lives. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily imply that that's what they are, you know. Exactly, exactly. Um, same thing with the satyrs. Is there? Is they? You know, they're not going to have their horns and things like that, but they're going to have that vaguely kind of goatish appearance, which we've seen people like that too. Uh, so yeah. But while they're in their 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 human form, they don't unless it's something that's always on, like their enhanced strength and things like that. They don't have any powers. They have to transform to gain those powers. That's the trade-off of being able to work in a human society. Um, is not having a full power base. Oh, neat. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about the people working on the setting. Sorry? Uh, who's working on the setting? You're, oh, sorry. You're uh, developing uh, as well as um, uh, publishing, but who, el who, who else is part of that creative team? So um, it's myself and Gilbert Gallo who are um, co-writing. Gilbert's done some stuff. Um, he's written several things. Uh, articles and things of that nature. Um, he wrote Mythos, so that's really nice, and he is a huge um, Greek myth buff. Uh, nice. and it's really funny because I know a decent amount, but he'll start talking about things that I, you know, I <laughs> hadn't heard of. It's great. So I mean, but it's it's great for the grounding aspect because we want this to feel like an ancient myth in modern times, and so having that basis is great. Um, Aaron Huss is still going to be involved in this. He's actually the developer and editor on the project on the project as well. And then the wonderful artwork you've you've uh, you've seen is from Mirko, and I think his last name is uh, I won't even try his last name because uh, it's Italian. <laughs> right. uh, my Italian's horrible. Um, but Mirko is uh, M I R C O is his name. So if it's Marco, I I, I apologize to you. Um, seeing on the page doesn't do it justice, but his artwork is amazing. Um, and we've got some art from a couple other people, but he's going to be the primary um, uh, artist on this entire project. Um, so, Good looking art. <laughs> yeah, um, I got it and was completely blown away. Um, he's just high quality. So he took our ideas and really just ran with them. And um, for example, the Sphinx piece, it's very hard to make a dynamic image static. 
and I think he nailed it with that. You can see the transformational aspect of, of that Sphinx. Yeah, that was a great great piece. And what's really cool is, um, at first glance, I didn't. It's really hard to even tell that. Not that's hard to tell. I shouldn't say that. Um, the, the transformation was subtle and obvious at the same time. Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah. there's a transformation, and yet the two forms blended so well together. And just like you said, they look similar to that that caricature kind of uh, to that creature. Um, so it, I thought it was really well done. That was a great piece of art in there. Yeah, we're so very lucky I, with that one. So, so I have to ask this, um, sure. since we're talking about the the team on the book, is Krista doing any maps for uh, Olympus? Well, I didn't know you like maps. No. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I only have you know all of them. <laughs> We're going to be using some of the current stuff in there, but also for the Kickstarter, we are going to be doing a new map, at least one. So uh, the one we're looking at right now is going to be an art gallery slash museum. Nice. Um, because I think, especially given the whole, um, there is an aspect of trying to look for items of power potentially to help the Olympians gain a power base to overthrow the Titans. But also, it's just a cool setting to do things in, especially when you throw the cyberpunk and espionage aspect into it. Um, a lot of neat things can happen in that kind of an environment. So we're definitely doing that one. Um, if we exceed the stretch goals we've got, we'll definitely do one or two more. I would love to see, especially if you're talking about these corporations, they're sort of like headquarters, like different yeah. maps for each of their headquarters, so that when you do go on an infiltration mission, you've got that map right there. and just Yeah, yeah I mean, the, head, the high rise we did is really nice, um, but one, it is yeah. the same one. Right. So, <laughs> wow, all these corporate offices look the same. <laughs> yeah. Must be built by the same person, probably was. Yeah. <laughs> um, all this stuff just runs together. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I think there's a bathroom car. over there. <laughs> Security guard shack is right there, and uh, yeah. Bathrooms, all the bathrooms. I know where they all are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we mentioned stretch goals. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen them, but I'm super excited about the people. We got the idea of having people to do two, two to 3,000 word adventures for the uh, the setting and just started reaching out to some folks. And Umberto was the first one that said, absolutely. He knows awesome. Gilbert, yeah. um, John Dunn, Sean Preston, uh, Curtis Lyon, um, who else? Uh, Sean Bircher um, is going to oh, do yeah. one. Yeah, yeah Sean's been pretty excited about it. He was excited when it. we were, he knew we were featuring Dionysus. He was like, oh yeah, I'm all over yeah. that. Um, and then we've got um, Andrea, um, I think it's Agnatolo, and please forgive me for, for butchering your name. He's a, a big, big, big Italian publisher. He's done a lot with board gaming and RPGs and things like that. I don't think he's as big of a name here, um, but Gilbert, it's just, it was just wonderful for him to have that connection and, and bring him into the project. So we've got six solid uh, adventures that are coming through, and if we hit far enough, we'll just put them all together and offer them in print. It won't be, you know, a cohesive, but at least you'll have those and you can pull them, and that's kind of nice to have too. Nice. So I'm I'm pretty excited about this because uh, first of all, when I was a kid, I had this little um, uh, Greek mythology book. It was like a reference book, literally like a glossary, uh -huh. and I read that thing front to back, over and over, constantly cross-referencing things, and I was obsessed with Greek mythology for the longest time. Now, since then, I've probably forgotten about half of it, if not more, although I think if I look back at it, I just you know pick it right back up again. So that alone is, is, is kind of cool, that the fact that, that this is going to be there. I also have always been kind of intrigued by Shadowrun, but I never uh, dove into it because of the sort of history. You know, it's just got a long history, and, I'm, and uh, I, I, I didn't grow up with it, so to speak, so it felt intimidating to get into it. So the idea that these two concepts are kind of being married together, um, and it's something new and fresh, and, and I can I can kind of jump into it. I, I think that's going to be a really amazing combination. And um, again, uh, Ron, I think I'm catching your ooh shiny syndrome with these settings, <laughs> all these settings that are coming oh, out. Yeah, one of the things that you're going to find out happens, uh, Christian, is uh, is the the farther you get into podcasting and and talking yeah. to in, in brilliant folks like Charles. Um, is you're like, oh, that's coming. Oh, and that's coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's coming out. Yeah. And then they mess with you, and they'll occasionally, like, send you a free thing, and then all of a sudden you're buying stuff. Oh, it's like cocaine, man. Uh, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> First taste is free. Huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, well, that's absolutely what's going to happen. Yeah, you mentioned right. Shadowrun, and what we did, too, is we actually created um, new modern firearms. So um, we got some amazing artwork um, in, and so... We're kind of adapting that, so everything from 
and this is insane, but I want to I run, run this in a game I had a chance, but it's what we refer to as the Pylum C12. It's an automatic shotgun. It does three-round burst and fully automatic. Nice. Comes in at 11 pounds, so, I mean, it's it's an insane weapon. We also are, uh, we introduced the concept of sliver guns, so basically, like Gauss guns, um, there's a pistol and a, and a rifle version, so kind of something different and new. And then just kind of mix it up with some different types of weapons, just, you know, having artwork that really kind of immerses you versus saying, you've got a 9mm pistol, you've got a shotgun. You know, I mean, it yeah, just yeah. adds a little more to it, just like Shadowrun did. You sent um, a couple of art, art pieces with those with those type of guns, and, and I didn't get to post them, but uh, I can later if, if we'd like. Um, and uh, there was one that it looked like it was had darts or something in it. What, which yeah, one was that one? Yeah, it's called a syringe gun. So the cool thing about the syringe gun is it, it is the concept is basically, from our perspective, originally it was supposed to use on small animals. But what they found is both in the sleeper, the normals, and in the divine world, you can use that to deliver things. Now here it gets weird. We're also introducing alchemy. So they can actually create alchemical formulas, and it's not an AB per se. It's actually a professional skill. Oh, interesting. And it's going to be treated kind of like an AB. Um but we're not having as much in the way of PowerPoints. It's more like it, it exists. It's a skill base versus um, versus that. That was a kind of a hang-up we had is here I am. I'm an alchemist. I'm selling this stuff. How am I going to do that? But um, the neat thing is is you can add that um, you can add that alchemical formula into a syringe. It either uses an auto-injector, so if I needed like healing, or you could add it to a syringe gun. Now, you could actually shoot somebody and heal them, which is kind of a funny concept. But right. generally what they do is they'll use poisons, which some are affected, some aren't. Like Dionysus, forget it. I mean, he, you can't poison you know, anybody that has a Dionysus bloodline. But um, all kinds of like toxins and sleep agents and things like that. Also, you can do like a, a, you know, like a, almost like a boost lower trait type thing. Right. Um, so there's a lot of options that you can do with that weapon. On, on first glance, you look at it, you're thinking, this is kind of... Why? Right. But then it's a really neat gun, especially for a covert man, uh, mission and things like that. Interesting. Awesome. So, um, so let, let's let's talk about the Kickstarter itself. I mean, we're, you're kicking off tomorrow. Yes. Uh, do you have a time? Twelve noon. Twelve noon. Awesome. So at twelve noon, everybody can jump on and just start throwing money at you. I hope they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so twelve noon tomorrow, the Kickstarter yep. goes off, and um, what are what are you hoping that this campaign will allow you to do as a publisher? What I'm hoping is that it allow us op, uh, to you know to, to put forth a really nice book because um, we want to do a lot of more of the artwork we've got, um, have a nice solid published book. But we want this to be a line. Um, we're very committed to doing that. There's a lot of things we've kicked around that once this book goes forward, we want to do, and we've got some really cool ideas. You know, one of the things that's been kicking around in my head is Hephaestus. What are we going to do with that? And there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, we really want this to keep moving forward with both setting books, adventures. What Gilbert did, which which was interesting, is through Mythos, he would introduce a god, but also introduce an adventure. And so we'll do some of that, but also maybe just run some uh, some plot point campaigns, things like that, for the for the uh, for the line. But we want this to go through the long haul. We don't want this to be a setting that's just pretty. You throw it on your shelf, you pull it out every once in a while, and there's no support. I mean, I think we've all been through that in the gaming industry, and that can be painful when you get really entrenched in a setting oh, yeah. um, that you like. Yeah, you can make it up, but it's nice sometimes to be able to pull. I've got a few setting books like that, and it's yeah, yeah it's a little frustrating because you're like. Uh, it would have been nice to have more content for this. So, exactly, and then let's, the, let's go because I was actually going to ask you about that later on. So you answered one of my questions for later. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the the overarching too is that we really want this to be an introduction into publishing for Fable Environments. We want to move forward with more adventures, more um, setting books, and things like that. And I've talked to a few people. It's very very preliminary, um, but my hope is is that 2016 this will not be the only release you see. That hopefully will maybe one or two more. Um, completely different, um, but still good, high-quality setting books that we can get out into the community. Excellent. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a beautiful thing about Savage Worlds that there's so many folks that are supportive and will jump on board with these setting books. Um, it's great for us as publishers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something I've noticed a lot about, and Ron, I'm sure you have as well. And just the the sort of uh, uh, interrelationships that a lot of a lot of creator, creators have. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you go back to the list of names that that Charles just used, I mean, mm-hmm. 
there are multiple publishers on that oh, list. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. reality so blurs, reality revia, all yeah. It's it's cool that we we kind of have this uh, to 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 use a sort of a vulgar term. It's kind of a it's kind of a very the whole industry is is this way, but but Savage Worlds particularly is very insidious. Yes. In terms of of there's a lot of mixing going on. Well, and I think what's cool about that is, uh, you know, these these are all great creators. Yeah. And so you know you're going to get a good product. Except um, for Sean Preston, that guy is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just. <laughs> Sean Preston, I love you, man. If you're if you're watching this. And then there's that John Dunn guy with the whole accursed. Oh and my thin god. Uh, I don't know what he's thinking. I know. <laughs> we, we love you, John. We love you, Sean. <laughs> No, no, definitely. I, I, I'm excited to, to to hear those names, and uh, Sean's got a lot to say. Specifically, I know Sean Preston has a lot to say in in the modern realm himself, uh, yeah. especially when you start talking oh, yeah. about espionage. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. with ideas. Yeah, it, it, I'm actually excited to see Sean coming back into into some more Savage Worlds work as well. So yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, we were excited to have him. Um, Everybody that 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 jumped in. I mean, I think we're very lucky to have those folks um, that have agreed to, to to write for us. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Oh yeah, it's great. It's a great list of names there. So yeah. Um. So so is there anything you're uh you're you're kind of holding back as far as uh potential stretch goals and stuff? Is there is there more that you're not mentioning yet because you don't want to get too crazy or? <laughs> not really. I mean, um, it, yeah. Because if we go beyond where we are, um. Definitely, you know, Krista has said that that she's happy to do more maps for it. We're, um, right. But generally speaking, we'll, we'll <laughs> we're gonna start thinking about you know trying to adding figure, gods and supplements. Yeah, adding gods, like um, adding more powers and things cool. like that. So um, just to flush it out even more, you know, we want to release those those additional books. But the important thing is putting out a product that's gonna really satisfy the backers and and be a good quality product. So if we if we want to add those gods in now, we're 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 set to do it. Awesome. So, so let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the the what you're getting with the Kickstarter, as okay. far as um, you know, what's your print plan, you know, versus PDF, that sort of thing. So we tried to. This is and this has been complicated moving from a PDF format, which you guys know through um, Fabled Environments has pretty much been our 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 mode of uh, modus operandi. So moving into print, and we want to do something for both categories. So when you look at the Kickstarter, um, there's going to be an option where I just want the PDF, I don't want anything else. And then um, there's going to be another option where, we, like we have in the past, we've partnered with a lot of folks. For example, Cast of Cards is going to do a deck for us. Um, and so the deck's going to have the archetypes in it, which is awesome. So I mean, you're going to have those. Remember I mentioned the, the Paragons, Proteans, and Demi-Humans. They'll have those. Also some of the Intelligent Monsters in there because it's a 17-card deck, so we want to flesh that out. Um, we're pulling, again, from Aryan Games, so they're going to give us um, some figure flats for the backers that are civilians, soldiers, um, spy types, um, just so you can have something along those lines. Also, Ambient Entertainment, if you guys haven't heard of them, you need to you need to look him up. Gil Luna is amazing. He's a director and um, musician, but what he does is scores. Yes. So um, yeah. there's going to be six of those, and these things will build the background. They're all going to be out of his collection, specifically designed for for cyberpunk. Nice. So um, they're ten minute. I think they're all ten minute. Yeah, and, um, and they're usually loopable, as if I recall. Oh yeah, as well. yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. if you want the tension, if you want that uh, kind of car chase feel, whatever. You throw that in the background kind of quietly, and it adds a tremendous amount to it. So we've got those. And then also what we're offering um, for folks, either way, it's going to be part of the stretch, is going to be the maps out of the um, Cyberpunk Volume 1. So that's like the warehouse, the high-rise, um, the diner, and a few others, so that they have them. I mean, not everybody, I don't think, has our maps. I wish they did, but uh, not everybody does. So, and I have used every single one of those maps, and they're all fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll get those in, in PDF. And I mean, that's, that's just nice because we've always thought that we want to give folks as much as we can to get them started on the table. That's why we've done adventures and things in the past. You move up from there, and we took a, uh, a play out of uh, John Dunn's um, book, and one of our tiers is basically um, it's a low it's a low price point, so you can um, get the ability to get the book printed 
and as someone explained to me, you pay um, a low price point. Um, you're basically paying for our work, if you will, um, and then you can pay for the printing, whatever printing you want, and whatever in the shipping, um, as you have the money to do so. And I've talked to some folks, and they really like that because they can't drop a whole bunch of money at one time getting a book. Um, they may want to break it up, so that's an option. Also, there are just certain areas we can't ship to. We would love to, and and but the shipping is incredibly expensive. So folks that want to ship it in certain areas, it's easier for them to figure it out than it is for us to try and plan for all of those contingencies. So that gives them an option too. From so there, it's, we it's it's pay up front, and then it's um uh, uh print it cost. I'm guessing, and then you absolutely. Pay Okay, yeah, print it. cost and, and ship, and you can print at either either level. They've got a they've got a premium and a standard, and it depends on you know colors a little bit. You guys have talked about this. I've heard you talk about the color differences in those types of, of products, and we try to be very straightforward with the in the wording about what that's going to look like. Um, we would love to do all premium, but there may be some well, folks that want to back off. I'll say it for cost. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll Go say ahead. it. You're going to have the ability to. To wait this out because you're going to be able to get it at cost. Yeah. Get the premium, folks. Just just get the premium. I promise. I've seen it both ways myself. <laughs> I have books in both methods. Uh, Christian has books in both methods. Just get the premium. <laughs> yeah, and we do have um, the way we set it, we set the print tiers. Um, we're doing shipping U.S., Canada, and Eastern Europe. Or sorry, not Eastern Europe, European Union. But that's the other thing we've done is how do you want to print it? Basis standard. You want it premium? Just throw a few few more bucks our way, and we'll we'll make it the premium version. Um, because we're running this all through drive through as a POD, so they take a lot of the hassle out of this, a ton of it. Mm -hmm. um, versus having to do what some publishers have done, where I'm going to order a thousand books and ship them out. It's just we don't know where we are as the first project, so we can't do that. Um, so, but the the great thing about it is it gives flexibility to the the folks that that want to choose different levels of printing and and things like that and Ron I'm right there with you that if it's me premium the whole way because you know I always look at books like Interface Zero which I'll give David a plug he's a great guy his book is amazing um, and not just because it's a huge volume that you can kill somebody with but um, it's also because there are, the the print and the quality is amazing and that's a I don't know if he did it through them, but I can tell you that's a premium print because it's just a good, solid um, quality print. Not that the set that, that the other is not quality. It's just like I think Ron, you've said it. It's not as it's not premium. It's standard. You know, no, the the colors just look a little more washed out. It, put it this way, it's fine if you didn't know what the other stuff looked like. Yeah, that's the bad thing. You know, it's like it's like if you if the only soda you ever had was uh, your store brand cola. And then somebody handed you a Coke <laughs> or a Pepsi or whatever you're into. But the point is totally different. It, yeah. it's, it's I'm in Atlanta, so it's all Coke. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know that we're, we're all over the place. It, yeah. It's Coke until you hit the Mississippi, then it goes Pepsi. Weird. So, so weird. I'm a I'm a man on an island here in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about Coke. <laughs> awesome. So um Tomorrow the, the, is when it kicks off, as we mentioned already. How long are you planning to run the campaign for? Uh, 30 days. Okay, good. Yeah, so that's usually the, the good standard there. Yeah, plenty of time. Mm -hmm. And we've already reached out to a lot of folks and tried to get some posts out and not be obnoxious about it because we're not going to do that. But help folks. We actually have a um, – and I think you've posted a link, but we set up a Facebook page specifically for the campaign. Where we've been trying to share a lot of images, a lot of updates, and things like that. So um, – and – hopefully driving a lot of people there um, to, to learn more. Obviously, we'll post through the Savage Worlds community as well as G+, um, or through the Savage World blog, I should say, uh, or forum. Jeez, my brain is gone. Um, <laughs> and uh, make sure that folks stay aware of it there without being too obnoxious. But, yeah, we're hoping people will take advantage. I mean, this is always a scary time when you, you – and I'll be frank, when you, when you jump into projects like this for the first time, but – we really believe in it. I mean, it's a good sign when we're both just itching to get a copy and print ourselves because we want to start, you know, really running it with groups, not just playtesting it. So, play so for all those who are listening, go back it just so that Charles can have his copy. <laughs> this is what I did it for. What are you talking about? I mean, right. no one else. My copy. <laughs> yeah, but we're we're really excited, and it it's been a it's been probably about eight or nine months we've been working on this. Uh, that, yeah, I was going to ask you that. How long? Yeah. yeah. 
and it, from initial conversation and just working it through and so many iterations because we've played with this and that and the other it didn't work as we moved into another piece of the puzzle and so it's been that's been a blast and then being able to go to a few cons and running this as a play test and seeing the reaction um, one example I'll give you is that you work at, you walk into a normal superheroes uh, campaign and I'm Superman and I can fly I can shoot lightning bolt and in this world, unless it's an always-on power, you can do one at a time. So if you're a Zeus character, you can shoot lightning, or you can fly, or you can create a damage field. You can't do it all at the same time. So I can't fly up like you know 30 feet up in the air and throw down a lightning bolt? Nope. Well, as you, there are edges that will allow you to do that as you get more seasoned veteran that level. Sure, yeah. But, but as you move into it now, and the great thing is, is it changes the focus from this is not a superhero setting. This hey, is a cyberpunk setting with superpowers. Hey, you can fly and shoot and then fly again. You just need to make sure you're at least seven seconds up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I can fall with the best of them. What's, what's your fall rate? You know. <laughs> My descent. I can descend like a champ. But you know. <laughs> but it's it's Every it's funny. Up. It's funny seeing the reaction on players' faces because then things get real. But I want to do this. But I want to do that. And so they they understand why they have weapons and why they're not just a a lightning bolt thrower, if you will, you know? yeah, blasting it, through walls and yeah. you know, running at ninety miles or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And so we did that on purpose to make sure that we balance that feel. We didn't want to to reinvent the wheel of a of a, a superhero campaign. We wanted this to be cyberpunk with some of that you know kind of the feel where you had the Shadowrun magic and things like that. Except we've got the superpowers. Well, going back to what you said originally, they're not gods. They're, you know, sort of bloodlined of the gods, right? Yeah, they're they're demigods, but yeah, exactly. They're 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 bloodlined, so they've right. got power, but they don't necessarily manifest every. I mean, they manifest, but they're just they're just not what you think of. They're not they're not Hercules. Right. Maybe right. eventually, maybe Hercules started out this way, and they and now he's a legendary character, so he's got all of this, but. Um, generally speaking, you're, you're, you're a team, and your, your powers are your backups. Um, so. so could you conceptually do something like where you have the young hindrance being a kid and starting this campaign, where you know, you're, and then you're developing and learning your powers yeah. from that? That's cool. Absolutely, yeah. because you know, we say that you manifest at a certain age, but I always think of what happens if um, there's a home invasion and you're eight, right. and all of a sudden things get crazy and you – manifest a power. You know, one of the powers is teleport. Maybe you're so freaked out by seeing your parents die that you tele randomly teleport. Right. Some some moment of trauma or stress. Exactly. That, yeah. That triggers. Exactly, exactly. And so yeah, there's some sort of a an event that does it. And some of them are not as stressful. It's humorous. One of the um, backgrounds we wrote for Aphrodite, um, you know, you've got all these where it's home invasion and I was in the middle of Iraq and and not to be stereotypical, but this was a model who something didn't work right. Like the dress didn't fit correctly, and it was just a series of events where, yeah, if you're in that world, it's extremely traumatic. But you're reading it going, what? Um, <laughs> but it fits for an Aphrodite type of character. Again, not right. being stereotypical, but you know, it's the it's it's to the extreme um, in these instances with these types of folks because typically these people already have these types of hindrances and. Um, predications, but it's just amplified when they awaken. So, with the uh, with the Kickstarter, or just as far as you know, maybe something in the future, are you planning to do things like you know, action decks, adventure cards, bennies, any any of the accessories? We might. Associated? Yeah, um, we've looked at we've and we've been kicking it around because we'd love to have a deck um, built specifically for us because we've looked at some that exist and they're just not what we want and bennies and things like that. We'd like to do that. Um, what our, our thought has always been is if um, we get a good reception from this Kickstarter, um, that's part of the line that we want to do some bennies. We want to do some uh, the action deck. We may even do more with cast of cards as well because there's more we can do with it, especially as we build on gods and more monsters. Um, I think there's a lot that we can do with it as, in a support mechanism like that, and I'd like to. And knowing that we'll have a fan base makes it better from a publishing standpoint to know that we can go down that road. Um, doing it as just an initial Kickstarter, it's just really scary to jump into that. Yeah. One of the things I always wondered, uh, I don't know how it might work for a publisher, but um, there are dozens and dozens, probably hundreds, of um, uh, playing card Kickstarter projects, yeah, strictly for that. And I've often wondered if it's feasible for a publisher 
to do a Kickstarter campaign strictly for an action deck for a particular setting, even not necessarily bundled with an existing setting campaign, but just as, a, as an independent thing. I think um, given our, 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 our genre, if you will, our, our subject matter, I think it would be a huge cross-appeal, not to mention that you can set those goals pretty low. Um, you know, go with a minimum order, things like that. Right. But, um, yeah, because you, you'd have fans like the, the Percy Jackson folks, the cyberpunk folks, the, the Shadowrun folks, the, um, just the general, you know, Savage Worlds folks or people in the setting would jump on board for something like that. So I'd see it as completely feasible. It's just a matter of kind of bringing people to the project and then having a fan base to draw from as we move forward into some of these projects. Yeah. It's completely doable. Yeah, because one of the things I've seen, uh, Albino Dragon, Albino Dragon in particular, uh, they they recently got into license, but before they did the license stuff, they would do um, sort of genre-based mm. uh, playing cards. They did one that was a cyberpunk one. Uh, they were trying to get it going with um, tying it with as an official Shadowrun or official. I think they even talked to David Jarvis about tying it with Interface Zero, but David had already a deck that he had in mind, I think. Um, and so. Um, the the appeal though is that a lot of savages you know kind of glom onto these little kickstarters for oh, playing yeah. cards, but then you also have people who just collect playing cards. Yeah, they absolutely. Just, they, just, they just look nice and they just want it, and uh, so I you know and a lot of them are also limited runs. They'll be like limited edition. This will never exist again. Once we do this, it's done. So I, I've you know again you know just going back to um, yeah I, I don't. I, I guess it would have to be designed in a way that they are still appealing to just collectors. Um, uh, who aren't necessarily role, you know, uh, role-playing gamers, so to speak. Yeah, and I think with the artwork that you guys have already seen, um, pairing that into um, a card deck would just be, and obviously you can't do that size, but pairing that style back into a card deck would be amazing. Yeah, especially on the face cards. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, ab yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of things in the future. That's, that's the exciting thing. Um, you know, just from... from Fabled environment standpoint, we're talking about trying to offer some of our maps, um, the older maps, in print through, drive through, because they do an 18 by 24 sheet now, is a poster <gasps> size. Oh, nice. So we can make it manageable. The problem with us previously is we literally had to fold all these things. And um, watch the folding of an A3 map, and it's fun. It's not hard, but if you can imagine folding about two or 300 sheets, um, I wanted to throw them out a window by the time I got finished. Just put a big bonfire and let, <laughs> let, yeah, them, let um, them burn. But that's the only way you could fit them into an envelope. So now if they take that out of our hands and you could get a 24 by 36 using two poster sheets yeah. that would easily fit together, because Dramascape's been doing this and they've got some awesome products, um, then we'll, we're going to do it. So um, we'll, we'll start out and do that with one of our single 24 by 36 is probably like the nightclub or something like that's pretty popular. Um, cool. yeah. yeah. And then release it and see how it goes and then move forward from there. But, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about that as well. Yeah. I could even see maybe, maybe like a, a cardstock material, um, as well. Yeah. Um, I've often wondered about like that, like tactiles. Are you familiar with tactiles? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, wondered about modern floor plans being printed in that format and being able to just tile it down. You know, that way. That'd be cool because they do a variety of sizes at, at drive through and RPG Now. Um, so we could do it as a tile. The only thing I was worried about was fitting because it's a map size. So if we can eliminate the seams, it's always better. Yeah. But the thing I'd always love to do, and it's just cost prohibitive, um, is do a play mat with these things on it. Oh, um, right. right. And that would be awesome. But again, it's it's that you've got this wonderful map and a play mat, but how many times are you going to use it? And that's yeah. always other thing we've always been focused on is making sure we give a product that folks can get a lot of use out of. I've I've wondered that because I've seen uh, there's a there's a very famous publisher uh, where some of their maps are in vinyl map form. Yep. And I've wondered, you know, like that's a one-time use maybe kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe once or twice, but yeah. really, when you buy a mat, you want to throw it down and put something on it. Yes. Um, or on top of it, and so having a floor pan can be a little busy. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at a lot of different things because, I mean, really in 2016, we've made the commitment we want to push forward and grow. Right. And that means working with more authors, um, uh, working with some other folks. I, I know that uh, you guys are very familiar with the contest we ran, and Eric Lamoureux, um submitted his adventure, which is awesome. Yeah, so that's a good... Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So how did, how did that turn out? Wow, the, uh... amazing, and he just... Apparently, could not put his pen down, but it, that's that's good. 
Yeah. Um, so he, um, it's amazing. We're editing it right now. Um, we'll probably, we may release it during the Kickstarter. It's a good way to kind of build some more buzz. Um, but uh, I'm, I was ecstatic um, by what I got from him because it was nice and warped in a very good way. Fantastic. Um, so people will love it. So happy um, that worked out. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I nice. want to make sure you guys knew it went full circle. That we're just now getting it, um, getting it, you know, uh, edited, and then we're going to lay it out and put some artwork, a little bit of artwork in it, and and really release it as a nice quality uh, adventure because he put a lot of work into it. You can tell. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, that's really and, exciting. Well, congratulations, Eric. Well, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, since we're talking about future products, um, what other things do you have sort of lined up as far as uh, you mentioned that you sort of have a long view for Olympus Inc. Are you prepared to talk about any of those ideas, or do you want to hold off on those? Or well, I mean, I think I've mentioned a few, but we want to flesh out um, more of the gods. So we're only presenting six. So um, we want to move into folks like Hephaestus and other folks like that. Because as we move into the gods, um, we'll create a set of powers for them that's fairly unique, but also it's going to open up a lot more questions. You know, one of the things that I would love to do, and Gilbert, uh, we haven't talked about it, so Gilbert, you're just hearing this now. No, uh, is is um, doing something with clockwork monsters um, with Hephaestus. Um, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated by things like Gollum Tech from um, GURPS, where it was magical, kind of cybernetics. That may be taking it too far. Um, but just things like that, playing around with it, having a lot of fun with Hephaestus. You know, I'm mean, always thought of a god that's kind of a weird scientist. This would just be awesome. So, can I have a clockwork owl? Absolutely, and it'll be gold too. Inside awesome. on your shoulder. Yeah, won't say anything. Just hoot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's that's the big wow. thing is fleshing these out and helping people understand. What well, I got it. Them as well. <laughs> you guys are nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. I have to say, I love, I love the Clash of the Titans cameo, that thing where he just looks at it and is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I want to avoid is cheese, but yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. Um, got a few of those in there, but yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it's also going to be fan-driven. As we see what fans do with it, then we want to help support that as well. And I think, because that's the funny thing, whether it's our maps or ventures or things like that, yeah, fans come back and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't think of that. And mm. so it's great because then you can adapt and help support that awesome line of thinking. And I think that's something else we want to do too is make this more of an interactive community as well. Yeah, demigods uh, versus zombies would be fantastic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something rattling around in my brain because it's funny. I've talked to, you know, John Dunn and a few other people, and I'm like, would it be awesome if we could do a crossover? And, he's, and of course their brains explode going, what? How would we do that? <laughs> But that would be so awesome to be able to, to do some crossovers. Like, I mean, can you imagine somehow figuring out how to go backwards in time? Because, you know, this happened way back beyond the Renaissance when they dropped in the late Middle Ages. If you took something like Octung Cthulhu and added this to it, I mean, yeah, that would be crazy. Really, so, um, really, what, what Savage Worlds needs more of, though, is zombies. We need more zombies. Well, you know, you know, <laughs> one god we haven't talked about is, you know, uh, the god of the underworld. Yeah. So that's the other piece of the puzzle we've talked I'm about. I'm sold. Is, is <laughs> Hades doesn't rule underworld anymore. I was going to ask you about that. So <laughs> Hades being one of the main gods, like how does that uh, how does that he, come into play? Or do you want to not spoil it? <laughs> no, well, he, he, he's been kicked out. Nikidna, um, who's the goddess of monsters in dark places, rules. Ooh. So he kind of wanders the earth is just dark and brooding. There's a new, and you'll, you get a kick out of this, there's a new hindrance called Morose, which um, will go into play in later books, but it's always one of those hindrances. You know, we know people like that. They're just plain morose and just yeah. dark. And um, that's going to be him and his basically his, his kindred, if you will. But the question is, and this is one thing Gilbert and I have been kicking around, this is how our thought process has gone. Echidna doesn't care, so... Would she release the shades? Mm -hmm. Would she release the skeletons and the right. zombies to plague them? As long as the sleepers don't see them, she's free to reign. And so you're going to see some of that. I don't know in what form, but you're going to see some undead pop up because once Hades comes on scene, um, that's going to be you know slap in the face with his own weapon, if you will, which is uh, you know, a huge yeah. insult. So you'll see that. 
That's, that's what's cool. so exciting is you got all these angles we're going to take that with us. Fun. Yeah, um, that I'm excited to to put forth, but you know, it, it that's why this is a journey and not a destination, if you will. So that raises another question, though. Uh, it, it, as a um, as a player character playing this, you know, demigod or this, you know, bloodlined type of character, uh, we're in the mortal world. We're dealing with the physical, real mortal world. Uh-huh. Is there opportunity in the cam- campaign where you get to visit any of these, uh, you know, other earthly places, like you know? <laughs> No, because they're closed. So they're completely closed off to... Yeah, so what okay. Uranus did is he closed the, the heavens, and then um, they also closed off um, the underworld. Now, that being said, it's closed, but that doesn't mean that they can't find something to open a portal. Like some kind of artifact or, exactly, or something. Exactly. Exactly. In one of the adventures we're playing around with, and I don't want to give too much away, um, the bad guys actually open up a portal to bring something in. Nice. Um, which is really nasty. And it's not a creature, it's a substance, and we'll leave it at that, which which is not a good thing. And so uh, you're not just fighting against that force, you're fighting against um, the ability to tap from other things. So you really are the underdogs. I mean, in a lot of respects you are. It's kind of like mom saying, you know, don't go beat up your brother. Um, it's only going to go so far, right. um, and then you're going to do it. So, yeah, but a lot of interesting angles that we're going to take like that. And I really think you're going to have a lot of people like yourself that are going to say, are we going to see this? Are we going to see that? Or well, Yeah, we could do that because um, it's, it's fun. Very cool. Very cool. This is going to be a fun ride. I, I hope the Kickstarter does amazingly well. Well, thank you. Um, and we'll definitely, I'm sure, be talking about it in weeks to come on the uh, SBN news, and, and uh, we'll see stuff coming through the feed for that, I'm sure. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have uh, Do you have any other uh, projects, non-Olympus uh, Inc. related, that you want to talk about? or? No, we're just looking at uh, trying to figure out our list of uh, maps we want to work down. Um, you know, Obviously, the art gallery is one that we've been wanting to do. We're going to want to do a few things like gas stations, and um, Chris has got a few other things banging around, that just smaller stuff that we want to do that we've always wanted to flesh out. Um, we probably won't do um, the major Kickstarter huge maps for a while. I know there's been some call for that, but I can't do both since she's doing all the layout and design for this. Um, she can't. We haven't figured out cloning yet, so once I do that, I'm golden. But you know, um, beyond that, so um, we'll start doing some smaller projects as well. So, so this has nothing to do with the fact that I'm running an East Texas University campaign right now. But if you guys could throw together, <laughs> I know. A uh, a dormitory map that would. <laughs> it, it's funny you talk about that because I've been talking with a guy that that that's uh, producing some maps and and may help encourage him to get something out. Um, there's one of our one of the guys on Facebook that I hooked up with through some other folks in the gaming industry, but he's trying to break right. out of the scene. But he's doing um, basically a boarding school. And Sweet. so we may be able to expand out from that or help them do that. But, yeah, we've talked about that. I really want to do a college campus. The thing I also think I told you guys I want to do is a city, like a town. Oh, that'd be like, awesome. Like basically like a pine box, except plant all of our maps in it and then grow that town with maps. Because you've got it the It would be like, a two-dimensional, be like a two-dimensional Lego city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that'd be awesome. I could build. Yeah, but exactly, yeah. And, and we that's something I... I'm not going to get let go of it. I want to do it. Um, it's just a matter of when. And that's the other joy. Is there's never, never enough hours in the day. So. And nice. I, I know you guys don't know anything about that, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can. It's so I funny. Can, uh, I could definitely give you a list of maps that I would love to have. <laughs> well, let me say this too. And well, um, is that if anybody has any suggestions, I've put that call out. And I'll do it again. Throw it up on the Facebook page for Fable Environments. Um, yep. You know, send me a message. Whatever. Uh, we're trying to keep a list. We're trying to be better at it. Um, frankly, we haven't been that great. But given the focus we've got now, um, we want to do more. And really, even any of them. So don't be bashful. As long as they're modern. But we want to do some smaller stuff because those we can put out a lot easier. Um, and things that are realistic, like. Um, Doing a nuclear power plant would be awesome. I don't think they're going to let me look inside. So, no. <laughs> right, right. 
but things like that. Yeah. I think the only one I've 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 had uh, very recently. I, I know I have the church map, which I'm I printed off and I'm using that in my next session actually. Um, but what I really needed was it seems to be more of like a um the type of church you would see in a um like a suburban area. Yeah. And I was looking for like an urban like a yeah urban Catholic church type layout. Yeah, more of a more of a uh, traditional. Yeah. 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 We may do some of that too because we've also talked about the fact that the only real restaurant we've got is uh, is at the top of the height uh, the um the high rise that doesn't work you know we've right. got a fast food restaurant the also, diner yeah diner so but we don't have a true sit down um, we don't have your traditional church so we may do some repeats but really shift it up there's also been uh, she's also talked about doing an, uh, another house or two um, and kind of delving into that because the two we have are very distinct right um, and they serve very different needs right so doing something else along that line too and then we've got houses piecemeal through the through the the um, the catalog but something from that perspective I think would be great too yeah farmhouse maybe a barn yeah, exactly. as well yeah exactly yeah. Um, you know you've got some of that through the working farm but I want to do do something like that as well we also talked about doing uh, a train and train station and then maybe doing a train where it's modern and then Wild West as well. Maybe even throwing in a subway in there as well. So doing that kind of a transportation line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah subway so. would be fantastic. Yeah. So we may work line-based too as well. That's one of the things we're going to make a decision on is we may work a transportation line where you're going to see this is our train, and this is another train, and this is another train, and this is these are the stations. Well, so and then you can do that. like tunnels and platforms and stuff too depending exactly. on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Turnstiles. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually one thing I learned through the Kickstarters is it's usually not um, you don't need a huge area. You need um, what a friend of mine called um, a um, uh, I forget the term he used, but basically you need a, a, a setting, a spot. Yeah, like a set piece. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You need that um, to to be able to run something. You don't need 500 sheets on a table. It's nice to have them, but you want to pull from that, grab the sheet you need, and do it. So that's the same thing with the train is we can do it because I don't have to map out the entire subway system. Right. Um, and that makes way it, it it you can use it anywhere that has a subway. Not to not to push another company's products, but a, a really good example of that is uh, Paizo's map tiles. Yes. Where they have those small little like two to three tile you know pieces, and that's exactly what it's like. It's like that little scene uh, for just a, a single encounter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there's some really really awesome publishers out there. They're doing that. We want to kind of follow in those footsteps as well um, mm-hmm. to provide some of that because. You know, it's it's it, it's just great to have, and we want it to, again to be very universal, where um, it can be thrown anywhere and used almost any time. Yeah, so just drop it on the table immediately without having to spend too much time, you know, laying all all, all the tiles and whatnot. Yeah, and being too specialized, where no, it wouldn't fit here. No, it wouldn't fit there. Right. Yeah, right. we want it to be very open. And now that we're starting to do hexes and ta- and um, uh, squares, that opens up a lot for a lot of people that like both. Nice. And how, and how about a bar with a mechanical bowl, where they play both kinds of music, country and western? We could do that. <laughs> we could do that. Yeah, it was it was so funny. I was trying to run an adventure the other day, and I'm like, my bars are just too small. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> gotta have a mechanical bowl, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it would fit in a nightclub. Just not the right vibe. But you know, no, uh... not the right one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. awesome. Just, just yeah. do the Fable Environments version of Gillies. There you go. There you well, go. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will definitely uh, email you a short list or maybe post it on Please Facebook. Do. Yeah. yeah. Post it up. Actually, post it up there. That way people might get some ideas, too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, That's true. I mean, uh, you know, it, we're going to. I love some of the ideas we've gotten in the past. Um, there's some that we're, we're putting on our list for Kickstarters because they're big. I mean, like somebody nice. wanted a prison. I was going to ask you about a prison. Yeah. That's a. <laughs> Big one. Yeah, Walking um, Dead didn't help, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the one that that I want to do is a hospital, and I know how to do it. Um, we'll do it as a as a small community kind of critical access hospital where you've got your emergency department, you've got some services, but it's not this full blown huge monster. Mm-hmm. But it'd be something you would normally see in your horror movies, where you know there's this little hospital in the middle of nowhere, and they've they don't have right. a lot, and it's rural. Small town hospital type of yeah, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you so, do a hospital, I can finally fulfill my dream of doing Savage Scrubs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wonder if the hospital came up because again, Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. I want to see uh, Grady Memorial in there, by the way. But yeah. yeah. Cool. 
Well, you know, um, this, this has been fun. Yeah, Ron, do, do you have uh, do you have any other questions, Ron? I'm I'm pretty much tapped out on questions here. So. No, man, this is this is it. This is this is great. Um, you know, I just want to say it's it's been great actually talking to you, Charles. Well, same here. Uh, same here. Always been awesome to deal with in in the past, and and uh, it was exciting to to actually get together and talk. And good luck on your Kickstarter, man. Well, thanks. And if we can ever be of service to you guys, you let us know. We're happy to partner with you on anything. Awesome. Much appreciated. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a this is a real pleasure, Charles. I'm I'm very glad we had this opportunity to yeah. to, to, to sort of meet face to face, so to speak. Thanks so, for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for reaching out to us. We we really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, for those of you out there watching, uh, thank you for watching. And um, you know, as always. Uh, be sure to follow the aggregated RSS uh, SBN feed uh, over at uh, you know, www.savagebloggers.net. We've got links to everything over there, uh, including if you choose to, to support us, as Charles White has. Thank you very much, Charles. Absolutely. Um, we have links to our Patreon and PayPal donation links, and so uh, check those out. We are also giving away, currently, we have a limited edition um, of Ace Wild Dice. So uh, for those of you who uh, donate $2 or more, you can get an Ace Wild Die. Um, and those are limited right now. Uh, we do might you have do any a little... near, Do you have any near you right now? I do. I do. I think. put one up on screen, man. It's pretty. Let me tell you, I got it mine. It is pretty. pretty. Did you get yours? I was going to yeah, ask I you. Did it's awesome. awesome. Oh, of course, you know, you know my non-gamer wife is like, "You're excited about a die?" Yeah, yeah I am. Oh, uh, I thought I did. I don't have. Were you like, on. duh? Yeah. <laughs> it says Ace on it. Yeah, of course. I yeah, think I have them all. Uh, I have them all stored away, waiting for shipping. Waiting so I don't, won't be disappointed grabbing that die. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I'm glad you got it. I was, I was going to ask you if you, if you got yeah, your die. So, yeah. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, until next time, keep it fast, furious, and fun. Take care, folks.